you put the hard work in and you race smart, you should get to the finish line. Um, but if you don't race smart, you may not make it to the finish line. So my 2008 Boston Marathon, um, I ended up collapsing about, for those who know the Boston Marathon, like right when you turn on to basically Boylston Street, I collapsed. This one's radio episode 854 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, today's episode is brought to you by YNAB, the budgeting software that Rebecca and I use. You need a budget. Maybe you don't. I do. I do. It's definitely been a game changer for us. Um, and, and, you know, with, with the economy, what it is like, let's not, uh, let's not beat around the bush right now, right? Things are a little bit uncertain and, uh, it's never been maybe more important to just make sure that you're aware of what's going on with your finances, right? And that's that's been, I think for me at least, I don't know, you can ask Rebecca what's been the game changer for her, but for me, just being aware on a basically a day-to-day basis of where our money goes and then being proactive about setting money aside so that, hey, you know, when, when I need that new pair of shoes, when I've got that race coming up, um, when when I want a, a new watch, whatever it might be to, to kind of support the running habit, uh, instead of, of, you know, kind of reacting and trying to figure out what I can cut to to have some money, you know, to, to make the books balance at the end of the month, uh, instead I'm planning ahead. And, and that's what, uh, you, the, the, the YNAB software really makes it uh, easy to do. So, uh, if, if you kind of want to think that, that maybe it's time to, to get on board with, with budgeting a little bit, I know budgeting can kind of have a, a bad connotation. I promise it's really not, uh, that bad. It's not that painful. It's a little bit awkward to get started though. Uh, so, you know, bear, bear with the process, but, uh, if you want to check it out, YNAB will give you a free month to try it. You don't need to put your credit card in, nothing. You get 34 days. So you get even a little bit more than a month, right? You get 34 days to play around with it, try to work the kinks out of it, figure it out, which full disclosure, it probably took me about 32 days to, to start to feel like I had it figured out. But uh, if you use the link disruns.com, disruns.com slash YNAB, that's disruns.com slash Y-N-A-B, uh, you still get that 34 days for free. And then if you decide to sign up, you get another month for free. So you, you sign up, you, you pay for a, a year membership, but instead of getting 12 months, you get 13. Uh, it also kicks an extra month my way. Just again, full, full disclosure. It's an, an affiliate link. I don't get any cash for it. I just get the, the software for an extra month on top of the year that I've already paid for. So if you want to check it out, I would encourage it. And hopefully it'll be, if, it, if it's half as valuable for you, than it, than it has been for Rebecca and I in the past year. We, we just coming up on our, our year anniversary. Um, it will it will have saved you uh, many times over the cost of the uh, the service for a year. So check it out, disruns.com slash YNAB. And if you do check it out and you're a little bit confused with what's going on and how to get it set up, let me know. I mean, not that I need to dive into your bank account numbers, but I can, I can try to help you walk through the situation a little bit, try to figure out how to set up your categories, how to keep track of things a little bit, at least what works for us. And hopefully that can be something that would help work for you as well. So check it out, disruns.com slash YNAB. And now let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, uh, my guest today is one of those uh, kind of dual threat folks that uh, I always enjoy having on the show in that she's both a, a runner and she's also a, a triathlete, triathlete. So, you know, we got all kinds of the endurance side of things to talk about, but she's also a physical therapist uh, that works primarily with runners. So, uh, you know, you know, if you've been listening long enough, you know that I can't resist diving into the weeds on some of the sports medicine-y, uh, physical therapy, uh, things related to runners and running injuries. Uh, we will get there at some point, but first, before we get there, uh, I definitely want to, uh, you know, dive in and find out more about her and her story and, and her running life, her triathlon Ironman uh, journey to this point. So without any further ado, it's a pleasure today to be able to welcome uh, Miss Lindsay Wasserman to the show. So thanks for joining us, Lindsay. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, certainly looking forward to it. And guys, if you want to find out more about uh, kind of Lindsay and, and uh, the, the best website is is honestly the, the clinic where she works, the, the Spalding National Running Clinic. Uh, and the, the website there is runsnrc.org. And she also has a, a YouTube channel with with you know various uh, instructional stuff, exercises, things of that nature that you might find useful. And uh, as per usual, if you know anything about YouTube, the, the links there aren't always the easiest things to just spout off. So we'll have that linked in the show notes. Uh, you could also probably search her name on YouTube, Lindsay Wasserman, and uh, you find it 
find it that way as well. Uh, but the show notes for today, disruns.com slash 854. As per usual, everything will be linked up there. Photos, the whole nine, disruns.com slash 854. So, uh, Lindsay, the way we always start off the show is with a, a very simple and straightforward question that uh, for some folks, it's an easy one to answer. Some folks, it's a little bit uh, more complicated. But uh, either way, it gives us a great place to start the chat. And let's just simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? All right. Great question. Um, so I'm going to give you two answers. Um, one is um, my first answer would be kind of where I am right now in my life, what my favorite distance is. And right now the marathon is my favorite distance and it probably still, I think it still will take number one, um, even no matter what time of my life I'm at. Um, and the reason I love the marathon is you've got a goal to work towards. And if you put the work in and you commit and you're smart about your training and you stay healthy and you get to the start line, you're going to meet that goal. So the goal of finishing the race, usually the training works. Mm -hmm. So if you do the training right, you keep yourself healthy, you, you're going to meet that goal. Um, so I love having a marathon uh, once a year, really, in my books to be training for. Um, but my real passion, if life was, if you had an indefinite amount of time, <laughs> is really doing um, the Ironman. And um, I really loved I've only done two because um, they take so much training. Mm -hmm. um, but if I had all the time in the world, didn't have to work, um, I currently have a one-year-old, so I didn't have a one-year-old at home. You know, I'd be definitely working towards uh, Ironman training. But um, how life has it, marathons are great, uh, are a good fit for me right now, and I'll probably stick to it for a little bit. Um, you know, until life uh, allows me to mm -hmm. get back out there and have the time to train for an Ironman. Um, but the reason I love Ironman is um, obviously the marathon, um, but it's also about really making this commitment to the bigger goal and proving to yourself that if you stay to that goal and you work towards that goal, you can really do anything. Um, and that's kind of how I got into doing uh, these bigger distant races is that, you know, it's that end goal that you're working towards. It keeps you going every day, mm -hmm. keeps you motivated. Um, and you know what? You make that goal and it doesn't matter how you do on that race day. If you make it to that start line, you, you, you met that goal. And um, I just think it's really important for me, at least, to have those big goals to work towards. And, um, and I loved racing the Ironman. It's so exciting. Um, especially I'm not, I'm not fast, so I'm not at the top of the pack. Mm -hmm. um, and so what's nice about actually being in the mid-range is everyone's out there just trying to finish these races. And you're helping each other. You're cheering each other on. And it's um, really great camaraderie. Mm -hmm. um, and it's inspiring to see everyone else working towards their goals as well. So I think Ironman's a big one, but you know, marathon is the same feeling, um, in that way as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, um, sitting here kind of, uh, with it, with a smile on my face and, and thinking about how, um, sometimes this question just, just, uh, uh, and the, the answers that come from it just shine such a light on, on, uh, on on the person that or I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say here, but like the 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 uh, the fact that you're like you know I'm busy I work I've got a I've got a one year old like I remember what it was like having a one year old and trying to work and trying to do all the things and then you're like but you know at least like I can train for a marathon that's not that big of a deal <laughs> but but the Ironman who and and you know it's just kind of like it's the same thing with ultra runners like oh like like the marathon's great because it's just short and sweet and it's easy and then you talk to folks that are more of of kind of like you know I really love the half marathon because it fits into life better. And uh, the marathon is just it's such a commitment to train for. It's just it's just that that different dynamic of you know what what your uh, definition of of too big or too long or, or too much time to train for. Um, and, and I mean just like anything, fast, slow, long, short, like it's such a sliding scale. Um, but uh, I just I just kind of it, it just made me chuckle a little bit to myself that like oh, because life is so busy, like I only have time to train for the marathon. Which uh, <laughs> you know some people are like, gosh, I can't wait for life to calm down so I can train for a marathon. But you know it, it's just how you look at the world, right? Yeah. And it's what you make of your time too. Um, and you know, where you put your priorities. Um, but you know, I think, I think, you know, for marathon it's for me, but like, I think anyone is just working towards their, their goal and like setting a commitment to it, you know, props to them, whatever their distance is. Um, and I know like just for me, like marathon is a, a race that I take seriously enough that I'm going to set myself up with training, mm -hmm. you know, 20 weeks out and, and commit to it versus if I'm going to do a half marathon, I'm, I'm not really in it to, to, to break time. So I, I know I, I don't, I don't take the training as seriously. I, maybe one day I'll start to work, work, think more about my time, but more I'm just, my, my goal is to just get to the start line and to finish the races and, and feel good about it and feeling good about it 
means I probably will have a pretty good time, I hope, but more I'd, I want to finish it and be on my two feet and not feel like I was hurting the entire t- entire race. Um, so I, I think uh, it's it's everyone's perspective on it, but um, that's kind of where I think uh, how I how I treat a marathon and then the Ironman is just the next step up, which yeah. so it's just a bigger commitment. <laughs> just, you know, quote unquote, just the next step up. Goodness gracious. Um, Lindsay, how'd you get, how'd you get started in running? Is it, is it something that's always been uh, a part of your life or how'd you, how'd you first dip your toes into the, uh, I guess I shouldn't say, I shouldn't use the dip your toes into the water analogy when we got, when we we're just talking about Ironman as well. But, uh, you know, as, as far as running goes, how did you get started in the sport? Uh, that's a great question too. Um, uh, I am not, uh, I was a gymnast all through my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I competed in gymnastics all through college. And so I did not run, you know, I wasn't someone that was running through high school. I was doing gymnastics through high school and through college. And I kind of always dabbled into running, thought it was great. But like when you're a gymnast competing for college, there's, you don't, you're not really running, you know, a lot, you need to have 90 seconds of endurance. And that's pretty much it. Um, but when I was a senior in college, my uncle unexpectedly was hit by a car and tragically passed away. And I bring that story up because he was in my family, a huge runner, a huge advocate for everyone to run. He like really started running later in life. He was running the marathon. He was doing awesome at it. And then this tragic event happened to our family. And after it happened, I kind of stepped back and was like, I want to do something. And, um, and I committed to myself that I'm going to get myself running. I was still competing gymnastics, but I was like, you know, when this gym, when my, my, I was a senior. So I was like, when this is done, I want to get myself running. I'm going to do a marathon in his honor. Cause he was someone that always come up to Boston to run the Boston marathon. And so I, um, committed to that. I didn't know how long it was going to be until I got there, but it, um, fast forward a year later, I started working at my job as a PT within the first week or two. This is the thing with PTs. They're all, if you're an outpatient PT, everyone's active around you. Well, at least the clinic I was at. And the first week of, um, my job or first or second week, um, my coworkers, um, asked me if I wanted to join their 24 hour relay. And I was like, oh, well, I've never really ran, but I've always wanted to. It's been on my list. I've been wanting to do it since my uncle passed away. It's been, you know, I just haven't gotten myself to really commit to something. And I kind of, being the new person, the new hire, I was like, yep, I guess I'll sign up for this 24-hour relay. And my first, like, long run ever was in this 24-hour relay. I remember first, like, eight mile, like, more than six-mile run ever was in this relay. I was not ready for the relay. Um, But I did it, and I felt great, and I was like, wow, this running thing kind of kicked off after that relay. And then about, you know, a couple months later, I said, you know what? I'm into this running thing now. I'm going to run the Boston Marathon for my uncle. So that's kind of how it started, and that was back in, so I started my job in 2006, so 2007, I ran my first Boston Marathon, and I at that point I ran at Bandit. At that time, like running Boston Marathon, Bandit was kind of like mm-hmm. a thing people were doing. Now you know you can't do it. And I wouldn't. I would never do it now. Um, but I did it the first time that way, and then after that, I was like, wow, this is an amazing thing. And then um, that was 2007, and then a year later, I I joined a fundraising team and then ran Boston again, and then I've kind of been running it off and on around that time. So that's kind of how I got into running, uh, first inspired again by my uncle and then kind of getting the bug with, uh, some coworkers that mm-hmm. convinced me to do this 24 hour relay, which we still do every single year since 2006 is when we first started. <laughs> so having some friends kind of get you going on it and then, um, just starting to get into it and realizing, wow, you work for your goal. You, you get to the start line you know, you can do this, you know, and it's kind of proving to yourself that hard work can pay off. Um, I think as a gymnast, I would work really hard. You get to your competition and you could very easily fall. And all that hard work can make you feel like you worked so hard and you can buckle under pressure, which is, which can still happen in a marathon. But if you do the right training and you race smart, you have to race smart. You can't, you can't, you know, go out really fast. Mm -hmm. You can't not hydrate. There's another thing you have to be smart in the race. But if you work hard, chances are you are going to get to that. And you and you train cor- correctly, you're probably going to make it to that finish line. So I think that's how I kind of got the bug in doing these races and realizing your hard work can pay off. Yeah, yeah. Was it um, was it a, a pretty, I don't know, pain, painless process of, of really getting into it? Like, like you said, you know, you show up for the 24-hour relay totally unprepared. <laughs> um, I know what it was like to show up to – 
uh, a marathon unprepared, which maybe isn't quite the same thing as, as the relay, but um, <laughs> it's still like, I thought I was prepared until I, you know, got to like mile 17 and realized that there was still nine miles to go. And, and I wanted nothing more than to be done right now. Um, but, but what was, what were the, some of those, those early days? Like, what was the, the first, you know, what was the, you know, you, hearing your story just now, it made it sound like, yeah, you know, it was, I was unprepared, but it was great. And it was easy peasy. Like, was it like that? Or did you kind of gloss over a little bit for us? Um, well, I, it wasn't, it wasn't, as, it wasn't that easy peasy, but I will say, you know, I was like 22 at the time. So, you know, things back then, that your body bounces back, <laughs> your body bounces back a lot quicker. Um, no, it wasn't easy peasy. Like my first, like, I remember, I remember that reach it, it for those who people are, are in the new England area, it was reach the beach, which is now the a part of Ragnar Relay. Mm. Um, and those who have done Reach the Beach up in New Hampshire, it's hills, it's heat, it's it's always... And I remember, you know, that relay being very challenging. And actually, some of my friends that did that relay with me, I, I don't think they've ever done another relay after it because we were both... None of us were prepared for it. <laughs> now, since then, I we, we, we know how to prepare for that relay. Um, so it definitely, that was a struggle. Um, I, I have to say the first year or two of me really getting into it, it was a little easy peasy. Um, I did, I, I will say I did have a, um, a reality check, um, in the 2008 Boston marathon. Um, I, I think I was getting too ahead of myself. I was like, wow, this running thing is great. I'm going to like run faster, run harder. And I ended up running. And like I said, um, you put the hard work in and you race smart, you should get to the finish line. Um, but if you don't race smart, you may not make it to the finish line. So my 2008 Boston Marathon, um, I ended up collapsing about, for those who know the Boston Marathon, like right when you turn on to basically Boylston Street, I collapsed. Oh. And um, next thing I knew, I woke up in a bed of ice water. So I didn't even get to finish and cross the finish mm. line. So um, since then, I've learned you need to not be stupid when you race. And when it's hot out, you need to hydrate. And right. I've learned a lot about, you know, proper hydration and taking care of your body and listening to it. Um but, you know, that was a huge reality check that like this running thing, I need to take a little bit more seriously. Like I'm physically, you know, you can be in shape for it, but you need to start thinking about your hydration and your food and your fuel and what your body's experiencing because um, it can it can change throughout the race. And um, and nothing is worse than uh getting so close to a finish line and not actually crossing. So especially, like I said, if you work hard, you should be able to do it. Um, so that was a reality check for me and made me step back and think like, all right, am I going to keep going forward with these races or I need to learn, I need to be, I need to educate myself a little bit more on how to keep myself hydrated. So, um, so learning process. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and I, I feel like, um, just about all of us have learned some, some lessons the hard way, although that's, that's a pretty hard lesson, you know, to be <laughs> that close to the finish line, um, and, and, uh, going down and not being able to, to finish it. How many, how many times have you done Boston? I know you said off and on a, a, a little while. Uh, let me see. I, I should, I should, I, so I've done it six times and then I was supposed to run Boston, you know, a couple months ago and mm. <laughs> I'm waiting, waiting to run it my seventh time. Um, I ran it about four times in a row and then, um, I ran it in 2013 and that was going to be my last, I was fundraising for, I, you know, I started fundraising and, um, fundraising is great, but, um, and I was always passionate about the, the charities I was raising money for. Um, but I got to a point where I was like, all right, I'm either going to try to get fast enough to qualify, or I'm just going to kind of make, you know, 2013 was going to be my, um, my last one for a while. And then the events of 2013, that was the year of the marathon bombing. I was actually at the finish line um, getting my medal. So, um, I was totally safe. Family was safe. Um, but I was right in the thick of it. And so I kind of felt the need to have to run it again in 2014. Cause I felt like, you know, you can't end your, your mm -hmm. Boston, you know, your running streak with it, um, on that. And I felt like you had to owe it to the city to run it again the next year. So, um, and I got it because 2014 was by far the best experience of running the Boston marathon, um, out of all of them. I've had. So, um, but yeah, so that's kind of, um, and then I was supposed to run it this past year. Um, and I, uh, um, for, I was going to do a charity again. Um, and just cause I, this time I wanted to give back to the charity for my daughter, um, for Boston children. So I was one day, hopefully I'll be fast enough to qualify, but it's kind of nice to, to be giving back to other communities. So, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. um, yeah. So well, that's, 
as I've said before, you can you know there's there's room on the bandwagon. You can join me on the get 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 a bit older, get a bit faster, and and at some point those those uh, lines intersect, and and then yeah, it's, that's when you qualify for Boston. Well, but go I, ahead. I thought I was going to be there soon, but they keep bumping the time down. I know, I know. It's just just when you think you're getting a little bit close. Just when you just when you for me it was just when you move up an age group, then they they cut the time and well you just you just lost those five minutes that you just gained but uh you know whatever it's it's uh it is what it is one day one day uh we'll both get there we'll, 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 that yeah. those lines will intersect but uh you you, you teed up 2014 and obviously 2014 was a special year for a, a lot of runners you know with with meb winning so you had the, the u.s you know a, a u.s runner winning the race for the first time in what seemed like forever obviously the comeback from from the, the bombing the year before um but for you being being in that race and saying just it was it was super special, super awesome. Um, can can you dive into that a little bit more about what what made it such a you know one that it's from what it sounds like really stands out from the other times that you've run the race. You know why I think it stands out for me. I remember I think my first thoughts after 2013 was like was this is one of the most special you know to live in Boston and to run the marathon. You just realize how special the city is and how special the event is. And right, my first thoughts after running 2013 was like, man, someone just ruined one of the most you know where everyone's in such you know one of the greatest days in Boston in a way that like everyone's just out there supporting each other and just. The, the crowds are amazing. Everyone's out there just to have a good time. And this is kind of what life is about. And I was like, someone just ruined this. And then 2014 came around and I realized I was completely wrong. No one ruined it. They made it, not that they made it, but um, it, the city came back a thousand times better. You know, you did not see one, granted, I think the weather, weather was pretty good that year mm-hmm. too, but you didn't see any holes in the crowds. Everyone was like out there supporting you. Like, it's just one of those races that you know that you're doing it for the, you know, like you're out there and just the um, feel and the environment is just everyone's in it together. And um, it was just that much stronger that like you could just feel it everywhere that people were just happy just to be out there. And the runners were excited to be out there, to be back there and to prove that we are not going to stop and we're going to keep getting forward and, you know, to cross that finish line and be like, yep, we, we, we can get over anything here in, in the city. So um, I think that's probably why I just kind of felt it everywhere around you a thousand times more. <laughs> so I, I wonder if, and obviously it's speculation, so who knows, but I wonder if the atmosphere next year, 2021, assuming that, that the coronavirus thing is somewhat figured out and safe by then, yeah. that, that the race can happen. Um, I wonder if the environment is going to be a similar level. I mean, obviously it's completely different situations, but just, you know, the fact that the race was, was the in-person race was, you know, first postponed and then canceled obviously this year. Um, and kind of coming back next year, like I got a feeling like next year is going to be a pretty, uh, pretty epic one as well. I agree. I think people are going to just be wanting to celebrate, celebrate life, be out Mm -hmm. there, be happy, be cheering each other and supporting everyone. And I'm hoping, you know, if things can get under control, that's, I mean, I was bummed it was canceled for September, but if you can't have, the point, not the point of the Boston Marathon, but part of the marathon is not just running it. It's just the, the everyone coming together right. and just supporting each other. And so I think uh, you want you want to have the crowd out there. That's right. what makes it so special. Right. Well, yeah, that's for me, like, you know, that's that's not that I know anything about running Boston, but just like big, a big race, like, uh, you know, when, when you have, you know, thousands and thousands of runners, like part of the, what the allure of that is also the hopefully thousands and thousands of people that are out spectating and having a good time. And, and, um, you know, and, and certainly that's one of the, the reasons that I want to run Boston so much is, is just the whole environment. And yeah, you know, mm-hmm. if you can't have people out there that, uh, puts a damper on the environment to say the least. Yep. <laughs> totally. So, uh, triathlons moving, shifting gears mm-hmm. a little bit. It, when did, uh, when did you when decide did to dip your toes into, uh, into, you know, more than just running? So, you know, I think I realized early on that I, I'm not a fast runner. I like to go long. I don't like to run fast, although I'm, I'm trying to get my body to run a little faster now. I'm trying to, you know, put some speed work in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, I think this is where some of my PT mind came into effect that uh, it was 2011 was my first, um, 2010, I think I did it, my first uh, um, triathlon. And I think I started thinking about, you know, Running is great, but you want to. I know the importance of you know one single single sports are you know you want to keep everything moving in a good way. And I started cycling, and I was like, you know what? I think to keep my body healthy, it'll be good to if I maybe started doing other sports than just running. And so I got it. I started thinking about maybe doing some tries because I started cycling and. 
I kind of signed up. My first one was a half Ironman. I figured if I'm going to train for this, I'm going to train for it. Uh, <laughs> most people, I think, <laughs> I think I, again, I was already, I, I don't think I would have taken training seriously um, to do a smaller try. I hate to say it because, you know, swimming for those smaller tries, um, you, it's not a lot of swimming. So I wanted to get myself swimming. And I'll say, I think actually, even now that I've done them all, all different levels, I still think sprint tries are sometimes harder than the longer ones. The swim is a lot more stressful. Mm -hmm. You're go, go, go the whole time um, versus the longer ones. You, you're not, it's a race, but it, it's, there's not this pressure of everyone. You can stand back a little bit and wait a little bit and you can spread out more because you're out there longer. Um, so anyways, I just thought I, I would train for it better because I would get myself in the pool more regularly and actually get, get out there and bike. So in 2010, um, wait, I mean, yeah, 2010, yep, was my first half Ironman. My first try was a half Ironman. Um, and it went well. It was not great. I did it. Uh, I mean, it went, I did fine enough. I did it just on a road bike and not like a time trial bike or anything fancy. And, um, um, I didn't die in the swim and I finished the race <laughs> and I was like, wow, this was pretty fun, you know? And I didn't feel, you know, I don't, I can't remember how long my first one took, but they're usually around like six hours for a half iron. And I didn't feel as beaten up as I did after running like a marathon. Um, and even though it is only half marathon, but you're doing a lot of other activity. Right. And I was like, oh, this is like, you feel much better, like on your body. And, um, and, you know, half marathon, that's the case, you know, full distance is a different case. But right. as I kind of was like, oh, this is actually really great. I like it. And I was getting my running stronger too, just getting the biking out there. And then one of my colleagues kind of put this bug in my head and was like, you know, if you're ever going to do an Ironman, this is the time to do it. You don't have any kids. Mm -hmm. You don't have a mortgage. You have the time. I'm like, yeah, you know, what? I was in my late 20s. I was like, you know what? You're right. If I'm going to ever want to do an Ironman, like, why not do it now? And so... Me and one of my friends from high school, uh, over a beer, decided we're just going to do it. <laughs> we're going to sign up for this Ironman. Um, and I say because it, it was one of my friends in high school because we made it. It was great to do it with him, and we did it down in Florida. Um, and we had all our friends from high school come down and and watch and watch it with us. So it was fun. Um, but you know, an Ironman, you feel a lot. You feel really. You feel much more beaten up after an Ironman than a marathon. So I, that that. But but that's how I got. That was my first one, and then. You know, it's a good nine months of training. Um, so I took some time, and then I think I did. I went back to school, I think, for a year for manual therapy. Like, I did some other stuff. Mm -hmm. Then I did that, some more Boston Marathons. And then I, 2016, I did um, uh, Ironman Tremblant. I did my second one. Um, it was right after I got married, and I was like, I want to do another one. Um, and I thought maybe I, the second one I'd be like, yep, I think I'm done with these. And after finishing that, I was like, no, I want to do more of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they're just, they're really, they're just, it, I love the training. It just, it's 20 hours a week of training by the end right. of it. So it's a full-time job and my Saturdays would be all out there on the bike. Um, mm. um, but I loved it. I mean, you're out there on the bike, you bike all day, you know, you come home, you have like a good meal and you hang out on a Saturday. You know, it's, it, I, I loved it. I just, unfortunately, when you're working a full-time job right. too on top of it, <laughs> it can be, it can be exhausting. It doesn't leave you much time for anything else. Um, so I was hoping to get maybe, uh, some shorter tries in the summer, but with everything going on, right. there's no tries going on. And, um, I'd like to be able to do another one. I, I, you know, training for a marathon with a one-year-old at home, it has made it, it, it is challenging. And mm -hmm. so I, I don't know if another Ironman will be in my near future. It will be in my future, but I'm not sure. I got it. You know, it's a balance of, of life, and you know, I don't want to miss out on some other things. Um, so yeah. um, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and and I think that that's a an important thing to to remember, and, and something I try to touch on every so often is just that you know, there's like assuming that uh you know that 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 we get coronavirus under control and and you know some of the current events of, of the time of recording this you know start there's changes that need to be made and and the world stops burning um races are going to be there right is, is the moral of the story whether it's triathlons whether it's marathons whether it's it's 5ks whether it's it's bike races like like those things are going to be there and if it's not the right time in your life because of family because of work because of whatever um you know, doesn't mean that, that your, your window is closed forever. Like you just, you know, you, you, you take care of what you need to do right now. Maybe you run some shorter races or you do some things that fit into, into life a little bit more right now. And then, you know, a year from now, five years from now, a decade from now, when, when 
hopefully in theory, mm-hmm. life allows you to breathe a little bit more and you have a little bit more space in there. Um, you can come back to those races and, and it would be interesting, you know, whenever you do get back into, into doing full Ironmans, um, you know, because obviously you'll be in a different place in, in your life at that point, like how, how your perspective of training and racing and how that you know changes over the course of, again, whatever it takes five years from now, six years from now, whenever you get back to it, like that's a big gap between races, you know, and it'll just be kind of an interesting thing to reflect upon, um, after you do the next one and just kind of how, how life and how you have changed in the, in the you know time between. Oh yeah. Yep. And you get older too, you know? Right. right. Yes. You know, talking about uh, bouncing back when you're 22 and then bouncing and then, and then you go, you know, man, I'm not, I'm not 35 anymore. Like, Oh goodness. Like, <laughs> it takes, takes a longer to bounce back from this too. But, uh, you know, I guess that's, that's the, uh, it beats the alternative, right? Get, getting older yes. beats the alternative. So, uh, we, yep. we do what we got to do. So, um, you mentioned in getting into triathlons and Ironman kind of, you know, some of the, the physical therapy stuff then, and, you know, kind of recognizing that it's good to, to do a little cross training, doing some other things, um, which is a good, get, a good bridge to get into to some of the, the, the PT work and, and some of the, you know, running injuries and, and some of the, the stuff that I really just kind of geek out about. But, um, w- when did you decide that, that physical therapy was a path you wanted to go down? Was that something that's been a, a long time, you know, like since you were a kid or gymnast history of dealing with medical professionals that kind of led you that down that path or how did how did you decide physical therapy was the career path for you um yeah i you know i'm very fortunate because i decided when i was in high school that that's um you know being a gymnast gymnasts are always you know injured having Mm -hmm. aches and pains and i think i always was curious about you know how to you know what this ache and pain was and how to make it better and how do i get myself better and how do I minimize this? And, you know, all this, I was curious about it. Um, and my dad was also a chiropractor too. So I kind of had that as a, as like kind of a thought of like, Oh, you know, you, you know, I had that in my, in my, um, in my home understanding kind of, you know, taking care of patients and all that. And, um, but I thought physical therapy, I decided I kind of want to do physical therapy and not chiropractic care because I wanted a more broader aspect of things. Um, and I, Decided when I was a senior in high school to apply for, you know, PT school and, and I got in and then I did like a, I started off right then and there. And, you know, mm-hmm. some people make those decisions when they're in high school and they change their mind. Right. Um, and I was pretty fortunate that, uh, my same passion and thought that I, shooting the human body and getting people better when I was in high school that I, I still enjoy it, you know, 20 years later. Um, and I was fortunate that that career decision when I was so young, you know, kept it all the way. Um, and I just think I've always had this passion of, you know, getting, understanding the body and trying to figure out why things are a problem and how to, how to fix that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As, as you got into running and then eventually into, into triathlon, uh, if, you know, multi-sport events as well, do, do you find because I find this, you know, being an athletic trainer, like I know some of the stuff I should do. Um, I'm pretty good at telling people some of the stuff that they should do from an injury prevention standpoint. I'm not always the best at doing what I know I should do. Um, do, do you, do you struggle with taking some of your own medicine sometimes as far as, as listening to your body or, you know, recovery work, things, things of that nature that, that you know you should do. Um, but you know, the athlete side of you is just like, no more, 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 or, or whatever the case might be. Like, um, is that, is that a struggle for you? Like it is for me? Oh yes. I mean, <laughs> the PTs are, I think they're, um, our, our worst patients. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and so it is, um, and, but I do try to preach what I teach. So I try, if I'm, you know, prescribing stuff for patients, I have to understand that it's realistic. And so if it's not realistic in my own life, I can't expect the patient to do it. So I, there's definitely times where I, I'm like, no, I know I shouldn't run today or no, I shouldn't, you know, do this uh, and I'm going to just do it anyways because I want to. And there are times I've actually checked myself into PT and said or went to a doctor I work really close to and say, you know, I I'm not making my own decisions right now. I I should not be in charge of my own decisions. I need someone to make these decisions for me. So I, I, I have stepped back and been like, no, but I do try. Um, especially more now, not that I'm, but that I'm a little older, but now that like, I'm understanding how to really balance out life. I'm, I do try to do what I recommend to patients because if I can't do it and understand it, then I can't expect patients to find the time to do what I want them to do. So I, I do try to put, make myself, uh, 
uh, hold accountable to something so mm-hmm. I can understand what patients are going through also, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it, it absolutely does. And, and uh, you know, I think that, I don't know, maybe it's not every field, but I, I certainly, I'm the same way. Like, like I am my own worst type of patient, you know, like in other athletic trainers, like, you know, in, in, in you know, just, you know, PTs and, and, you know, strength and conditioning professionals, like, like we're all kind of, you know, suck sometimes when it's, when it comes to doing what, what we know we're supposed to do. Um, I suppose this is probably the, the time to, to, you know, put in the dis- disclaimer, uh, as we yes. start to get into some of the, the, the medical discussion, um, that, uh, you know, yes, Lindsay's a, a, a a PT, but she's not your PT. She's not working with you. If, if she is, she's not working with you specifically right now. So we're going to kind of, you know, get into some things that, uh, you know, use for education, but these are not specific guidelines, specific advice for any, any person, uh, that's listening. So, you know, consider yourself disclaimed, I guess at, at this point. Um, just, just curious, Lindsay, from, from your perspective and, and your, you know, your professional, uh, daily life of, of working with, with a lot of runners at, at the clinic. Um, this is this is a very general, broad question. So maybe it's uh, maybe I'm not drilling down enough. But we'll start here, and if we need to drill down farther, or, or as we go, we we can drill down farther. But you know, what from a a big picture perspective would you say is is um, one or two things that just runners in general don't do right? Maybe it's something that they don't do that they should do. Maybe it's something that that we tend to do that that kind of science has caught up to it, or we've learned. Uh, that uh, maybe this isn't something, but it's something that just kind of c- continues to hold on, and this this mindset or this practice continues to happen. Um, again, I know this is very broad, and you can take it a bunch of different directions. Um, but are, are there are there some things that you see that you just kind of like, oh, you know, can you kind of get that here we go again mentality, or maybe not mentality, but you kind of hear that echo in your head sometimes when uh, when people come into the clinic for the first time. Man, I can go so many ways with that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, sometimes that's a blessing. Sometimes that's a curse because I don't point you in enough of a direction. Um, so let me see. I'll start with one thing. First thing that comes to my head is is consistency. Um, I think I, I'm pretty big on patients staying consistent, and consistency can mean consistency staying with your running. Um, meaning a lot of times injuries will happen when they stop for a while and then they ramp back up too quick. So keeping at a consistent, you know, volume. Um, and if you're gonna drop down, just gradually drop back gradually bring it back up so that's one thing but consistency uh, and also keeping with a well um, addressing other issues for a runner meaning consistently addressing mobility issues so you're not you're just because you're uh, Achilles pain is gone or your your plantar fasciitis is gone, you should still keep stretching your ankles, keep that ankle mobility going or, you know, keeping the hip mobility going. So patients don't keep up with their PT exercises once they feel better. I totally know that. Mm-hmm. But there are some things in, I try to fine tune what things should just consistently stay. If you want to be a healthy runner, you just need to consistently stay with these things for your body. Um, so I think consistency is big because it's usually when I start to take a history someone it's when something kind of changed and come back and that's where problems kind of right. you know c- uh, come in um and then the other thing i just on a completely opposite um pan of that is another big thing is i think runners have to realize that there's 23 other hours a day that mm-hmm. if there's someone that runs an hour every day there's 23 hour, other hours a day and what you're doing in those 23 hours that may contribute to your running um and the biggest thing right now it comes to my mind especially because most people are, have been working from home is sitting mm-hmm. and how much we sit 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 all day and then we wonder why our hips are always tight and why our glutes don't work and you know how we take care of our body outside of running is also really important so i think um people just becoming more aware of their body as a whole is kind of you know these are the big things i look at and how to keep someone healthy long term not just this immediate problem right now I, I love both of those, and I, I want to drill into both of them a little bit more. Uh, we'll start where we are. We'll start with with you know kind of the the, the non running factors that implement that that uh, sometimes can maybe even get confused or or maybe not confused. That's not the right way of saying it. But like we we get some injury, and we're like, oh, something's wrong with my running. But maybe it's yeah. not. Maybe it is. You know, like you said, the, the other twenty three hours in the day, it's sitting too much. It's it's not changing positions, whatever the case might be. So, you know, again, with, with where we are, at least as we're recording this, the first part of, of June still, you know, people still working from home a lot, you know, some people getting back to work, but, but whatever the case, even if you're, even if you're back to work, but you're at an office, you're sitting at a desk, things like that. Um, what's, what's a good, um, you know, I mean, we got to work, right? Like, like we got it, we got bills to pay. We got, we got a job, we got things we have to do. Um, 
you know, how do you, how do you recommend or how do you kind of try to, to encourage someone to, to get more, like where, where do you find the time to stand more during the day, I guess, or, or to move positions? Like, like how do you implement that into a desk job, into, into a, a position where you, you do have to, you know, you have to be in front of your computer for, for X amount of hours. Like how do you, how do you mix that up? If, if that makes sense as a question. Yeah, no, it totally does. First thing is you got to get a standing desk. And so like that's 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 a very sounds very simple and I know it's not simple, mm-hmm. especially if people are trying to make shift things at home. Um, but working with your employer like try to get an option to stand cuz I agree. If you got to get 8 hours of work in, 10 hours of work in and it's in front of a computer, you you almost have to sit unless you have a standing option. Um, and so I think that's really important cuz uh, and I'll say it's important for running because so many runners I see, well, they have tight hip flexors and their hips can't extend. And if your hip can't extend, then you can't use your glutes. And then if you can't use your glutes, and then we can go through a whole, right. uh, all your mechanics are affected. And no matter how much you're trying to stretch up those hips, you go back and sit, you know, that's just going to shorten them up. And it's not, and, and it's, if you cannot let them shorten up so much, then maybe you don't need to spend so long stretching them. And maybe they'll actually mechanically start to open up more. Um, and that's so simple. It sounds so simple. And I know it's harder, but, you know, getting a standing desk option, um, and then being mindful how you're sitting. So if you do have to sit, you're not sitting slouched over because, right. you know, you wonder why your your core is not, you know, you, you know, runners say need to get their core stronger. Well, if you're sitting slouched over all day, you know, your your core is not working to hold you up. And, you know, I, I, whenever I'm looking at, you know, I do a lot with gait mechanics. If I'm, I tell patients if I'm ever going to get you to use these things the right way when you run, you have to start using them during your daily activities. Mm-hmm. How you're standing how you're sitting. It's not just, you know, standing, but stand, you know, mindfully. Don't slouch over to one side, you know. You know, alignment is so important in our bodies. And if you don't have good alignment outside of running, you're not going to have good alignment running. <laughs> so, And so I think just even just being aware of it, you know, I think people get so caught up in their work, set a timer that every 20, 30 minutes that you even just stand up for 30 seconds and sit right back down. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, um, it doesn't have to be anything major. Uh, something that will always be better than nothing. So, um, I think that's, it's just important to realize that your, you know, these movement patterns that we see in running, they can be fast. They're, they're building, you know, your, de- your 23 hours a day are kind of, uh, affecting those movements mm-hmm. and to change it with running. We want to do that, but we also want to be mindful of what we're doing the rest of the day. Right. Right. If, if somebody's in a, a quote unquote perfect situation where they can get the standing desk where the employers mm-hmm. are like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Or you can, you know, set something up at home. So you got your laptop on the bar with a, a book in between, whatever, something like mm-hmm. that, where you can, you can stand up. Should you stand the whole day or is it just as important to, to move from that position as well? Yeah, I think it's moving. I think I think too much of anything is not great. So mm. I think we were not built to sit in front of a be in front of a computer statically for twenty four hours a day. I mean, for eight hours a day, like that's just not how our bodies are built. So I think yeah, you got a great standing desk. You probably standing all day long may not be great either. So you might want to. A lot of times I'll tell people unless they have a desk that can easily move up and down, get like a tall stool and like kind of perch on the tall stool so you still have good upright posture, but you can give your feet and legs a break for a second. Um, because static position in general is just for a long time is not good for for your for anyone. Um, too, like I said, too much of anything is not always is not great. So I think you know if you don't have an ability to go up and down on your desk, then being able to have like a tall stool where you can just kind of perch on it, mm-hmm. you know, give your legs a break for like a little bit, and then you can stand back up. I think is a great um, option. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I think those those are are definitely uh, good things. And then you know the thing in my head is like. You know, if if you're in the opposite situation where you don't have the ability to have the the standing desk, um, like you said, you know, what what can you do to to just allow yourself to get up once in a while? So maybe it's you know, like I think I've said this before, but if not, here here you go, exclusive. Like when I record these, like I stand up, like I, I have the ability to to you know have the microphone in front of me and I can I can stand up to record. Um, so like, can you do that when you're on the phone? Can you do that? You know, um, various times. Like, are, are the things that that depending on what your work situation uh, is that you could do it sitting, but you could also do it standing and no one would be any, any, you know, no one would know any different. It's not going to impact, it may even improve if you're talking, you know, standing up, stretching your diaphragm, you know, like that's, that's, you know, Mm -hmm. good things. Um, so maybe that would even be, be uh, a way that again, you can, you can introduce some of that mixing, mixing up the position throughout the day. 
Totally. Um, and I think, you know, it's not a bad idea to make sure you, I mean, everyone's jobs are different, but can you take a break in the middle like, yeah, of your day right. for like 15 minutes? And something I've been trying to work on is like giving uh, like small, like little routines here and there that people right. can do. That's a 10 minute break here that doesn't quite disrupt their day. And it's not like they're working out, but they can, you know, throw these stretches in right now. So you kind of reset everything that maybe just tighten back up. Right. So I think, um, you know, a, a note, acknowledging that maybe, you know what, you, you have a long meeting and you have to sit in it, but after that meeting, reset your body as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so you just set your body up for more success, um, for other things that you really want to do. <laughs> right. Right. Well, yeah. Cause then that in theory, that leads to less injuries, less issues. So you can, you know, you can keep training and, and I mean, it's obviously it's a, it's a whole tangled web, but, but it's, it's all mm -hmm. related. Um, switching to the other thing that you, you mentioned, uh, before we, we run out of time to do that consistency. Um, and, and especially, you know, like, like you talked about when, when maybe somebody's coming back from an injury or maybe, maybe this isn't what you talked about, but, but one thing that came to my mind, you're coming back from an injury, you got, you've got these, these list of, of exercises to do to help, you know, keep the ankle mobility or, or hip strength and core strength or whatever, you know, whatever the case might be. Um, and you're doing those, you know, speaking in hypotheticals here, you're doing them three times a week while you're coming back from an injury. When it comes to consistency, should you continue and again, obviously we're speaking in generalities here, but you know, do you continue with three times a week? Do, can you, can you back that off a little bit? Like, like where does it go from, you know, how much you need to still do to this is, this is, I don't want to say good enough, but like, you know, you're not you, you, to a, a maintenance level, maybe when it comes to rehab exercises as, as an, as a semi, uh, semi specific example. That's great. Um, and definitely, it's a, a lot of times patient dependent, case dependent, mm -hmm. depending on their diagnosis and what and how bad of their injury is. Um, but in reality, I, I, a runner, I think in general, should be doing some sort of strength conditioning work two to three times a week. Um, and so I tend to target kind of the big things, you know, that patients should be continuing to do. And it doesn't, you know, I try to then take some of these exercises, like, okay, I, I really want you to keep squatting, you know, now or doing these single leg squats. Maybe now you can go to the gym and when you do your weighted squats, you can throw these single leg squats in there. So I try to kind of pull in, you know, what they should be doing in a general routine. Um, and, um, Sorry, I just lost my train of thought for a second. Um, so I think that's, you know, important to kind of pull that in. I think two to three times a week. And then I think after every run, making sure you're addressing, you know, people don't have like 15 minutes to do a full out cool down. But can you do, you know, a quick ankle mobility, quick hip mobility and a quad stretch so you don't let that tighten back mm -hmm. up, especially if that was your issue? Um, I'll kind of take a step also further and say, I've also, you know, try to get runners when, you know, into some yoga, um, as well. And I think that can kind of, Hey, if you take a yoga class one to two times, one, one time a week is, is probably more realistic, but one to two times a week would be great. Mm -hmm. Can this address some of these imbalances that you're seeing and just stay on top of them? Cause the minute those imbalances start to become bigger and bigger, you're going to be back in here. Um, so I think kind of keeping that maintenance, I, I, you know, running is, it takes maintenance, unfortunately, to keep you healthy. Mm -hmm. And so it's, you, if you want to run, you got to be able to reset all your muscles and restore that mobility. Um, my other goal with runners is a lot of times, I mean, I work on their mechanics. A lot of things I do is I work on changing their mechanics. And if I can get them to run with better alignment, maybe they're using their glutes now and they're right. using their calves more. Maybe they don't need to stay, stick with the, as much glute and calf work um, because now they're using it better. Mm -hmm. um, but in that early stages, I, I just like people to stay with it. And, you know, the hope is that you start to realize, oh, I can use my foot muscles. I can use my calf muscles. I don't need to spend, you know, all this time working on them, but I should still keep the mobility going and, you know, keep some of the strength up. Uh, and I think that's usually where I start, you know, when patients start to come back, it's usually when they kind of slow down and everything else because mm -hmm. running was feeling so good. <laughs> so. Right. Right. Well, that's, I mean, you know, it's, it's human nature, but that's, that's what happens, right? Like, like you do, you do X to feel better. You feel good. You stop doing X and then more than likely, if, if especially for us as runners, we're gonna get we're gonna keep running and, and hey, I feel good, so I'm gonna run more and I'm gonna sign up for more races and, and do more speed work or whatever the case might be, and then uh, you know, 
before long, that little thing starts to, to creep back up. And hopefully that's enough to, to cue you to like, oh yeah, I should probably get back to doing some of those exercises. But if not, it gets bad enough that you end up back at the clinic seeing Lindsay again. And she says, hey, what have you been doing lately? And uh, you know, you got you to gotta come clean at that point. Yeah. So uh, as we're as we're getting to the point of, of wrapping up today, Lindsay, and I, I I could definitely keep going down uh, these some of these injury and and uh, um, you know kind of preventative. Certainly love talking about preventative things, even though it maybe keeps you a little bit less busy at the office. That's that's maybe a good thing in the in the big picture. Um, but uh, I do have to wrap up here eventually. So uh, kind of a, a philosophical question to to wrap things up, which uh, as I, I think I pretty much say just about every episode, like it's, it sounds scary, but it's not that not that big of a deal. Just something open ended, and this we'll we'll wrap up today. But um, I would I would be curious, um, and we kind of touched on a little bit, but you you've got a a one year old, got a little one at home. Um, how has your not not the specifics of your running? Because obviously pregnancy, birth in this first couple of years after the baby, like, like everything's just a little bit crazy anyway. Um, but how has your perspective of running changed now that, now that you're a mom, you know, like, like, um, I don't know if I want to go more specific than that other than just to leave it very, again, very open ended. You can take it however you want to, but how has your, your view on the sport of running, the sport of triathlon even as well, um, changed from pre-baby Lindsay to mom Lindsay? <laughs> um, it has changed in, in a good way. Um, I, um, you know, I have two goals with running. Sometimes I run with my daughter, so that's a time for me to, for both of us. She likes, uh, she likes to be in the stroller. I get mm-hmm. to speed with her, and I, I get my workout in. But it's also it, running for me is the time for me to get myself back in gear. Um, and I think what the last year and a half has really kind of shown me is that. You, you, you know, juggling life is challenging. It's busy. Um, and how important it is to keep yourself moving and to keep yourself kind of on that goal and that anything is better than nothing. So if you only have time for a 10 minute run, then you run 10 minutes. That's all you have time for. That's all you have time for. That's better than not running at all. And I think now that I've had more time to like kind of get into our training, I, I have the time to do it. But in the very beginning stages, you know, especially I, I had a C-section. So like getting, you know, your core stronger, getting your hips stronger, getting all that back in gear. You know, some days I only had 10 minutes. And while, she, while my daughter was like napping or rolling on the ground. Mm-hmm. So I squeezed in 10 minutes of a little work here and there. And I think that kind of got the ball rolling. And I think that um, I translate that a lot and even now how I'm treating my own patients and that I get, maybe they don't have a one-year-old at home, but life is busy and life is hard. And and at the end of the day, we all want to run. We want to stay healthy, but every minute can count. And so like even 10 minutes of something is going to be better than nothing. So, you know, if your body needs something, like give it to them, even if you don't have the full ability to do all of it. Mm-hmm. And I think um, in the last year, like I've really appreciated you know, I used to think like, oh, it's not a real workout if I'll go out for like an hour run. And, you know, everything is, you know, it's better than nothing. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, it's a really, it's been a good perspective for me because I'm someone that wants to go out long and, want, and I don't feel like I've done enough if I haven't gone, you know, for at least an hour. But, you know, if I get up there for 10, 15 minutes, you know what, then it's better than not doing anything. And if anything, it got my body moving enough that so when I do have the time to get out there longer, I'm prepared for it and hopefully won't get injured. And, um, and I think that's been a a change in a little bit of my perspective as a therapist is, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take what you can do. And I, and I, you know, a lot of people right now, especially like are trying to find time to fit everything in and, you know, do the best you can and just kind of keep going on that goal. And when time allows, you'll be able to expand on something more. Um, it's kind of, uh, my, been my take in the last, you know, year and a half. And, uh, um, you know, and I think it's, uh, it's been it's been eye opening and you appreciate things a lot more. <laughs> so. Absolutely, absolutely, couldn't agree more. And uh, guys, once again, if, if you're uh, looking for for Lindsay, uh, runsnrc.org is the website for the clinic. And if you're if you're in the the Boston area and you need a good PT, here's here's a lady, you know, that, and that's the place to find her. Uh, and again, we'll have a, a link to her YouTube channel uh, with various things that you might find useful as well uh, in the show notes for today, which you can find at disruns.com/slash eight. Five, four. So, uh, Lindsay, thanks for, uh, for, for joining us today. Um, given some, some definitely some good practical tips from the, the physical therapy therapy side of things. Um, but, and also some, some really good stories along the way. So again, I uh, appreciate your time, uh, and your willingness to chat and, uh, certainly wish you nothing but the best going forward, but thanks for the time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. 
Hope that you enjoyed the conversation between Lindsay and myself. And as per usual, I'd be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was what was your takeaway from today's conversation? Uh, lots of things for me today. And, and uh, you know, I mean, when I get into these, these kind of running injury and injury prevention things, I mean, I could go a dozen different routes that way. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to, even stay away from that, which I, if you would have asked me before this episode started, what my take was going to be, I'd have been something running, running injury related. Right. Um, but, uh, back, you know, kind of pretty early in the conversation when Lindsay was talking about kind of how she got into running, uh, there, a couple, a couple of those stories really centered around the people that she was with, the people that, that she was associated with, whether it was professionally friends wise, whatever the case might be, they were runners. And that got her, you know, like, Hey, Lindsay, you want to do this thing too? Yeah, sure. All right. Let's go peer pressure, you know, for the win. Um, and, and the rest, as they say is history, but I was thinking about that a little bit more and just how valuable it can be to surround yourself with people who are doing the types of things that you want to do. And I don't know if you, if you get much into it's, it's a real popular quote in the entrepreneur world. Um, so I don't know if you, if some of you are aware of this or not, but, uh, Jim Rohn is kind of this motivational personal development type of guy. And he is a big famous quote of his is that you, you're the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. And I kind of feel like, like that really like stuck out to me when, when Lindsay was talking about how, you know, people at the clinic she was working with were signing up for this race and do you want to do it with us? And, and yeah, and here we go. Um, and it, it, again, it just got me thinking that, you know, as, as runners, I mean, obviously all of us run, right. But a lot of us strive to do better. I do. I, I strive to run more, to run faster, to run easier, but faster to kind of improve my heart rate training situation. Um, you know, to run more races to PR you, I mean, y'all know my, my goal to, to Boston qualify. And so, you know, just kind of hearing Lindsay's kind of introduction to running story, uh, kind of got me thinking that, you know, the people I surround myself with are the, the people that are doing some of those things, or at least, you know, should be, it will help me to aspire to get there. And that's why I'm so, you know, kind of thankful for the, the, the Facebook group, which we've got a whole array of people there, but it's just cool to, to have that social group on social media where I can just be around runners pretty much all the time. And, you know, I know, I know for some of us, we've got a local running community. We've got, uh, those friends, those people in town that we know that we see on our long runs, you know, especially now as things are starting to kind of open up a little bit more and, you know, kind of getting back to kind of some normal routines with group runs and group workouts and things like that. You've got those people that are pushing you. But for those of you that are really isolated, um, as far as, you know, there's maybe nobody in your family that runs, you, maybe you don't have much of a running community in your town. I would just encourage you to really try to, to reach out to people on social media and, and kind of get that running community, whether it's our group. I mean, you're obviously y'all are welcome to, to join, uh, the, the Facebook group, but you know, there's obviously there's hundreds, thousands of, of running Facebook groups or Strava groups, or, you know, just, you know, hashtags on, on Instagram or, or, you know, run chat or whatever, but get around runners, get around runners. Even if you can't be around them in person, get around them on social media. I mean, you're listening to this one, so that's that's one. But get around more than just more than just me, more than just my voice, and and see what doesn't happen to you if you start to get a little bit more consistent with your training. You start to be a little bit more consistent with the little things, picking up some some tips, picking up some tricks, picking up some habits that are good for you and are going to serve you as you continue in your running journey. So, um, maybe a long-winded way of getting there, which you know, surprise, surprise, right? But, uh, you know, just the, the value of the people that we have around us, having supportive people, people that are, are encouraging us towards our goals. And hopefully that's our family, but sometimes that's not the case. So find, find those people and, and latch on. And for the rest of us, maybe don't be afraid to be a little extra supportive, right? I think, I think the running community, we're pretty good at that, but you know, we can always do better, right? We can always be more supportive. We can always, uh, cheer harder, uh, be more friendly, be more compassionate, um, and so just, just the value of the people around you, what that can do for you, both in running and in life. I think it's, I think it's, it's pretty huge. And that was, that was my takeaway for today. So what about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? Let me know. I'm at Dizruns on Twitter at Dizruns on the Instagrams as well. You can also shoot me an email, Dizruns at gmail.com. And of course you can head over to the show notes for today, which you can find at Dizruns.com slash, what are we slashing to? 854. Dizruns.com slash 854. 
Leave your thoughts, leave your feedbacks, leave your comments down in the comment section of that page, uh, and I will certainly be responding back to those and uh, engaging in the conversation. That's what it's that's what it's all about. You know, we we have this this A to B conversation. We want to see you into the conversation as opposed to see your way out of it. See your way into the conversation on social media, on email, in the comment section of the website. Whatever works best for you works great for me. So with that, we'll go ahead and start wrapping this one up. Once again, the reminder, uh, YNAB, if, if you, you know, running, running aside, I mean, although it's great for, for kind of making sure your, your running budget stays intact, but, uh, you know, have a little more clarity with your, with your overall budget. It really is good. Uh, it's, it's paid for itself for us, um, many, many times over. Uh, and honestly, even if it was cost neutral, it would be a huge win. But, uh, you know, when it's, when it's been, uh, cash flow positive for us just by being aware, just by being aware of what we're doing financially. Um, you know, if that's something that might help you, check it out. Dizruns.com slash wine. I've got yourself one free month to begin with. And then if you decide to sign up beyond that, you get a second free month for free, but for free once you've paid for a year. So you get 13 months for the price of 12 is, is how that works out. But uh, any questions on YNAB, let me know. They also have a, a super awesome uh, customer support uh, type of, of situation, lots of, of resources. So you're probably better off going to them than coming to me, but I'm happy to tell you how I figured it out and, and some of the workarounds that I do. Um, happy to share my experience if that's helpful to you. But anyway, with that all being said, let's officially wrap this one up now. Uh, y'all, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one. If you did, hit that share button. Spread it, Spread the word. Spread the, spread the word far and wide. Uh, appreciate every time I see one of those notifications of somebody sharing, the, sharing an episode. Uh, reading about it on your blogs or, or on your social medias or whatever the case might be. It, uh, it really does mean a lot and it really does help move the needle. So thank you for doing that. And uh, until next time, y'all, please be well. Take care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, right? Take care, guys.